forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and it seems like forever since we've been together because last week was Thanksgiving. Hope that you had a great one. There was a lot of good racing that happened between now and then. I'm probably going to stick to uh, reviews of most of the, the grade ones, but, of course, from, from Thanksgiving all the way through that weekend, uh, there was some excellent racing around the country. We'll, we'll get to the, to the top races. Uh, of course, uh, opening up for, officially for the 75th anniversary of this weekend will be Gulf Stream Park. Uh, they uh, will uh, have an uh, interesting meet with uh, sessions uh, running at the same time as Calder. And with us tonight from Calder will be Bobby Newman, who used to be the paddock handicapper, and he's an outstanding track announcer. And uh, while uh, all of the – well. Gulfstream is opening. All the eyes in the racing world will be on Calder this week as they have not one, not two, but three grade three races. Uh, it'll be the Tropical Turf Handicap, the Fred Hooper Handicap, and the Mike Charmer Handicap. So uh, Bobby Newman will be, will be breaking that down uh, with us uh, from Florida. And then also uh, with me will be a gentleman that probably caused a lot of you people to tear up tickets on Breeders' Cup Day. His name is Ron Pellucci, and he's the guy that found Rhea Antonio. As you recall, she was eligible for non-winners of two when she went into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, had never won a stake, ended up getting into a little bit of a bumping war with Gary Stevens on She's a Tiger, and it was the disqualification that moved Rhea Antonio up to pay $66.60 in that $2 million race. Had some good conversations with Ron, uh, originally from the Cleveland area. Started out just like you and me, just handicapping those $5,000 claimers and worked his way up the ladder, and now he owns a Breeders' Cup winner. So I'm um, looking forward to our conversation uh, with, with Ron uh, this evening, and he will be our first guest. Um, so let's take a look at uh, some of the other uh, news. Uh, as you know, the end of the two-year-old season means that they're already starting the leaderboard for the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. The uh, top-ranked leader right now, it's a tie between Havana and Honor Code. They both have 14 points. Behind them is uh, Tapature, Bondholder, New Year's Day, Rise Up, We Miss Artie, Amy's Holiday, Claiborne, and Casguapo. So those will be the horses that will be uh, highly touted in the advanced wagering uh, races there at Churchill Downs. Of course, the field will uh, probably lead them all until it gets whittled down a little bit more. Well, thank God. It looks like uh, Johnny V has come out and announced that uh, he will be riding again, but he's, he's uncertain when. He, he said that there, you know, there was no doubt that he was coming back, but he wants to have a full recovery. Uh, you may remember that uh, he, uh, he went down in Breeders' Cup on Secret Compass in, in the far turn of the Juvenile Phillies race. And when he got there, found out that they had to remove his spleen and his pancreas. Uh, he spent five days in the hospital in California and then uh, flew back to New York right now. He says he's doing really well. He's healing properly. And it seems like everything's going the right way. It's just been slow. And uh, 
he just uh, says he's going to take his time and he's not going to do it till he feels uh, right. Well, uh, also while talking about Jack, the Wolf Award finalists have been announced. Uh, this is one of the most prestigious awards in all of racing. It recognizes those riders whose careers and personal character has uh, earned the esteem for the sport of thoroughbred racing. It goes to a different jack every year, and, uh, of course, it's named after the legendary jockey George Wolf. So uh, this year's nominees are uh, veteran jockey David Amis, Dennis Carr, Aaron the Rider Greider, Lori Corey Lannery, and Gary's brother, Scott Stevens. So those are the Wolf Award nominees for this year. And on the subject of awards, uh, the role of honor for uh, the uh, top writers, the National Museum of Racing's Joe Hirsch Media Role of Honor will go to Kent Hollinsworth, Andy Beyer, and George F.T. Ryall, perhaps a name you don't know. Uh, Hollingsworth uh, is best known as the Blood Horse editor from 63 until 86. After graduating from the University of Kentucky, he spent time in the Army, worked as a photographer, and ended up writing for the Lexington Herald and also filed stories for Sports Illustrated. Certainly, if you're listening to this show, you've heard the name Andy Beyer. And uh, he started out... Uh, getting an interest in racing when he was going to Harvard and began covering the sport back in the 70s. Uh, he's been the Washington Post horse racing columnist until 1978. Uh, he's authored four books, and, of course, he invented what we all now know and use as the buyer figures in the daily racing form. Uh, Ryall, uh, he wrote under the pen name of Adolphe Monaire, who was born in Canada. Uh, he also wrote racing reports from, from England for New York, and he was a, writing for uh, the New Yorker. So uh, he also worked for the Blood Horse Town and Country. So those are the three that will get the Joe Hirsch Memorial uh, up at Saratoga later this year. Uh, let's see, uh, some, some bad news that we just got yesterday. Uh, trainer Harvey Van Neer uh, died at the age of 89. If you're in the Chicago area, you're certainly familiar with, uh, with Harvey Van Neer. Uh, he won uh, seven training titles at Arlington Park, and he did win a title back in uh, 87 at Keeneland. Uh, you may recall uh, his horse, Playfellow, who upset the 1983 Bluegrass Stakes at 19-1, to then went on to take the Travers, the American Derby, and the Arlington Classic. Um, Playfellow retired with nine wins and seven placings for earnings of 711000 He also had a nice horse by the name of Western Playboy, who was the son of Playfellow. So uh, Harvey Van Eer, a class act, a hard worker. Um, if you happen to be in Waterloo, Illinois, uh, services will be 10 in the morning on Saturday. Um, congratulations to Jackie Fernando de la Cruz. He earned his 1,000th victory down at Tampa Bay Downs, 27-year-old native. He's riding for Jamie Ness, and that's going to get you a lot of winners. Um, he you know, felt very good about it. He was really... Uh, uh, beaming in, in, in the winner's circle. He obviously has a younger brother, Walter De La Cruz, who won a race on the turf that day, also at uh, Tampa Bay Downs. Well, we had Jonathan Horowitz with us. Uh, the Land of Enchantment, as you recall, were the races that we uh, handicapped from Zia Park. We highlighted some of the smaller tracks when we last went live. And uh, Zia Park uh, ended with a 14% increase in their handle. So uh, congratulations to them. Obviously, they're, they're doing things right. So it was good to 
see people going the right way. All right, we had so many big races uh, last week. Let me try to touch on some of the big ones. Of course, uh, one that had a lot of interest uh, was the Cigar Mile, and it was flat out who took the overland route in the Cigar Mile at Aqueduct. And the, the race for him was worth uh, 753000 because he was a previous grade one winner. He, uh, Junior Alvarado had the mount uh, on flat out. Uh, sad to say, uh, there was some trouble on the turn. Uh, luckily, he was able to avoid it, but uh, uh, clearly now had to steady under Jose Lascano after clipping heels with the front-runner private zone, and what that chain effect caused was Groupie Doll to steady and alter course. It looked like she was just making her move under Rajiv Marat, so uh, just too bad. I know a lot of people were, uh, you know, in, in the groupie doll camp and really hoping that, uh, that, that she would get the job done. But uh, flat out, kind of sat and forth most of the way, took the long way home, and it was, it was worth it. Um, also in that race was Golden Sense, Verrazano, and, and Laugh Track. Uh, but nonetheless, the victory was worth 450000 The flat out, and he's now earned... $3.6 million, and word is that he will probably be retired and go to stud. Uh, he certainly has uh, proved himself uh, over the years, and it's great to see a horse uh, like him campaign as, as much as he was. Um, Private Zone did hold on to uh, run second, and Verrazano got up for the third spot. But one of the, one of the best races of the uh, holiday period was the Clark Handicap and will take charge for sure now secure the Eclipse Award as the nation's top three-year-old. What a grace. It looked like game on dude had it won, but driving down the lane under Luis Saez was will take charge. As you know, will take charge only lost the $5 million Breeders' Cup Classic by a nose, but got the job done. So uh, it really did look like Game on Dude had it done, but Will Take Charge got it. Of course, Will Take Charge trained by none other than Hall of Famer D. Wayne Lucas. He was sent off at 2-1, to one, paid uh, 680 to win. Uh, the Dude paid uh, 340 and 320 And uh, underneath on the bottom was Easter gift, but what a race the Clark handicap was, and uh, will take charge. They are not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen, uh, but the owner is kind of hoping that uh, he can retain part of them and then race the horse as a four-year-old. And <clears throat> certainly, a lot of us would like to see that. Um, so he certainly paid his way. He's with four hundred twenty-five thousand Keeneland September yearling. So uh, they. Uh, they, they, they went to the bank to get him, and now he's paying back. One of the uh, top two-year-olds honor code really proved himself. It was the 100th renewal of the $400,000 Remsen stakes, uh, he, and he was passed at about the 16th pole and looked like uh, uh, Cairo Prince was going to go by him and stay by him, but honor code found another gear and dug down and got it done. And so this is the, the horse that Shug McGee passed the Breeders' Cup because he didn't want to squeeze the lemon dry. And uh, he feels that, you know, this may very well be his, uh, his uh, uh, derby horse. And uh, so he kind of didn't want to press the button by, by getting uh, him 
all wound up and out there at Santa Anita, stayed in New York, got the job done, and really, really was a gutsy, gutsy race. And this horse has got a lot going for him. I mean, he's the son of AP Indy. He's out of the Stormcat mare, Serena Cat, who is out of Serena's song. So uh, quite the uh, quite the horse, and will be interesting to watch him as he develops next year. <sighs> Excuse me, here my sore throat starting to wave on. Um, just want to uh, take a look at some of the races we, we handicapped when I last spoke to you. Of course, we had our good friend Gary Johnson on, uh, who's also a friend of uh, Ron uh, Paolucci's, and uh, Gary gave us some really good picks. We decided to go to Delta Downs, uh, where the million-dollar Delta Downs jackpot was the feature race. And Gary, in the sixth race, gave us the inside horse, 10-pin, who paid $9. 10-pin won the race. Bana ran second, and Concave ran third. Then in the Delta Downs jackpot, boy, we've got a new horse on the rise. Gary liked that. I like this horse. The horse's name, Rise Up. Won the Jean Lafitte, so it had a, a prep over the Delta Strip and got up by six and a half wire to wire. In the second spot was Casiguapo, and third was the seven, Ranks Has Privileges. So Gary nailed that one, and I hope you played a pick three because came right back in the eighth race, the $150,000 treasure chest, and everybody like class included because class included, had the class edge, had the top buyers, and had Rosina Pravnik in the saddle. So that was a look at the races uh, that, that we uh, that we handicapped last week with our guests. I uh, want to thank Gary and want to thank uh, Jonathan Horowitz, who had a, uh, a great day against Zia Park, uh, finishing, uh, finishing up very well. Uh, our pick in the uh, the 10th race, the Zia Park Oaks, did get up unusual way. Uh, just ran too fast in its race prior to that. And then uh, also the uh, our pick in the uh, Zia Park Distance Championship, Old Wine Drinker Who, who won the Zia Park Derby in 2012, got the job done in the Zia Park Distance. Well, as my voice is wearing on me, I'm going to take a little break here. You're listening to Winning Ponies. And up next... A guy that found a diamond in the rough. Her name, Rhea Antonio. His name, Ron Palucci. And we'll be right back on Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 school to the pros we we cover everything everything. let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me right now, a gentleman that was introduced to me uh, by Gary Johnson, who was uh, our handicapper when we uh, when we last did the show, and uh, I've had a chance to talk with him a few times. He really sounds like a guy I'd like to hang out with. His name is uh, Ron uh, Pellucci. He he was an avid horse player from Cleveland. Uh, This is not one of those guys that was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And he went from playing the horses to owning a Breeders' Cup winner in Rhea Antonia, winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Uh, of course, this horse probably made a lot of you people tear up your tickets. Uh, Jeremiah Engelhart uh, decided to uh, put blinkers on the horse and uh, decided to put Javier Castellano up. And you saw the result, a little bit of bumping towards the wire with She's a Tiger. And Rhea Antonio got the job done. So with me right now is Ron Pellucci. Ron, how you doing? Great, John. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm doing fine, doing fine. A little sore throat, but we'll get through it. I, uh, I know you're not at the top of your game either. But, uh, Ron, you, you know, you're one of those guys that uh, I think so many of our listeners uh, want to be. Um, you know, I mean, you started out at a, at a modest level from what I understand, and then you, your, the love of your game kept you in the game, and then you finally got to the point where you could actually – uh, purchase a horse, your first one, of course, being a trotter, and then uh, you came back from the dark side over to the thoroughbreds. Uh, why, why don't you t- tell our <laughs> listeners a little bit about you, you, your your early days in the game, uh, even before you were a horse owner? Well, before I was a horse owner, I was a horse player. I've been one my whole life. You know, um, grew up around the racetrack. My, my grandfather and my father took me there from the time I was old enough to remember. I don't think we ever missed too many weekends at uh, Thistledown during the day and what was then Waterford Park at night. Um, you know, then when I became old enough to drive, for me it was Thistledown during the day right after I could cut school to get out to make the uh, at least the late daily double at Thistledown and then on to Northfield. So, I mean, it's, it, I've been doing it since I was old enough to remember and uh, did it a long time for one of your guests you had on there with uh, Gary Johnson. You know, we, we would talk almost daily about claims and uh, – and horses to watch, and he put them in a stable alert, and he helped me, and he he actually helped me get caviar and champagne, the uh, the Ohio bred filly that I think she won three or four stakes this year. 
So, uh, you know, he was the one that pointed me out to that Philly and, and, uh, you know, I've just been doing it my whole life. I love it. And then I love the game. Now, um, when, when did you decide to, to take the leap into ownership? Um, you, you kind of tell us that. Cause like you, you told me it started with, with a sulky. Right, right. Well, you know, it was one of those things that, that to be very truthful with you, um, my then girlfriend at the time, who I have two children with, was really giving me kind of a hard time about going to the track day and night. So I came up with the idea if I bought a horse or two, I could I could get away a night or two, especially at trotters because they run every week. You know, I figured, ah, let me buy let me buy a trotter or two. That way, I could you know sneak away two nights a week and not have to you know <laughs> hear a little bit from the wife. So I, I bought my first trotter, a trotter named Dial Deal. And uh, he won, moved him up in class, he won again, moved him up in class, he won again, and then somebody claimed him from me. And then it was just kind of like, it was crazy from there on out. I just, I, I claimed another trotter. Um, her name was I Know What Boys Like, but I still have. And uh, my daughter actually picked that one out. She, at the time, I think she was three. There were two horses <laughs> I was going to claim, and I said, pick the one you want to pick. And she picked I Know What Boys Like, who's probably my favorite horse ever. And she won her first start by like about 15 lengths. And I had the kids there, and, and then from there I, I said, you know what? I really like thoroughbreds more than I do harness. Let me try a, a, a thoroughbred horse. And I went to uh, Jeff Radosevich, who actually Gary recommended to me. And uh, I said, uh, I'm a little bit of an aggressive guy. I want to get a few horses, and uh, I want to claim this horse called Why Us. And it happened to be off of Gary King, who was a friend of his. And uh, he was really adamant about not claiming the horse. Well... 14 races, 14 wins out of like 20 races later, um, wow. that started my my role of uh, what is now what I added today, 70 thoroughbreds that I have. So Unbelievable, the 70 thoroughbreds. Well, let me get to the story of Rhea Antonia, and I'll, I'll try to lead into it as best I can, and then you correct me where I'm wrong. But it seems like you're a pretty astute uh, observer of what's going on at the races, and, and you had been watching this horse <clears throat> who uh, was a big, long-striding daughter of uh, Rockport Harbor and uh, was racing in Canada at the time. And I think uh, perhaps when she broke her maiden, it it piqued your interest. Uh, I don't know if I'm right. You tell me if I am, and you tell the story from there. You kind of hit it on the head. You know, I'm one of those guys, I'm I'm a River Downs regular guy kind of guy, if you know what I'm talking about. I like that, yes. I... I, (laughs) I had mostly, you know, mid to lower level claimers because I'm an action guy. You know, anybody that plays the horses on an everyday basis has to be an action guy. Every once in a while, I stepped up and, uh, you know, the more races I won, the more it gave me money to to take a little bit of a leap of a little more money. And I happened to be handicapping one uh, Saturday morning, and I saw this filly, and her first start, uh, the trainer put her in at seven furlongs in a stakes race against the boys. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of odd. She she got left a little bit, made a big middle move. I think she finished fourth or fifth, you know, you know, two three lengths. And so I put her in my stable alert, and I watched her the next time out. And she's an amazing special weight against the boys. I'm like, man, this this guy's crazy. Runs a stakes race against the boys. Now he's putting her in against the boys. An amazing special weight. Well, she jogged that day, went by about six or seven lengths, and she did it in kind of like Zenyatta. You know, Zenyatta, if you watched her run, she covered ground. And it looked like she wasn't even breathing. I mean, it was just like this horse. She just ran away from him, and it wasn't even looked like she was trying to accelerate. 
and uh, at that point, um, I was going to, a guy named Chris Jackson of Jackson Bloodstock called me at the same time about that filly, and I said, that's funny, I was just looking at her. I said, the thing is about this filly is, I think she wants to go long. I said, and she looks like she loses focus a little bit. I said, I'd love, I want this filly to go long, and I want to put blinkers on her. And when I looked up her pedigree, you know, being a horse player, I remember Rockport Harbor was a dirt horse. And I think he won the juvenile, the, ju- the two-year-old juvenile uh, Colts going a mile and the 16th on the dirt. You know, and every race he ran was on the dirt. So I'm like, you know what? It makes sense to put this filly the way she strides on the dirt. You know, let her focus a little bit and blinkers. And that's really the way it went down. So you're, you're, you're very accurate in, in, in what you're saying. Well, now, uh, so you, you, you approached, obviously you didn't own the horse at the time. You approached the owner, and I believe there was kind of a family connection, and he said, can you kind of keep one of my kids involved in this horse? Yeah, there's a, what you're going you're gonna to find out, and the listeners will find out, there's going to be a lot of stuff come out in the next, like, two to three months. A few, few people are doing some stories. There's a lot of stories behind the stories, and I'll give you guys a little bit of an advantage over everybody else. All right. This horse, you know. Um, the first being, just like what you said, uh, Ricky Griffith, who was a trainer, his son actually owned the horse. And I approached them, made him an offer pending vetting the horse out, and he was okay with the offer. Well, he kind of had the same thinking that I did. You know, I want to put this filling on the dirt. So while we were waiting to get the horse vetted out, he, he worked the horse over Woodbine's dirt track. Well, she worked 46-1 and one, and outworked the horse called Tuscan Getaway, who was already a stakes winner in his barn. And so he came back to me and said, you know, I, I, I don't want to sell her. You know, and then I bumped up the offer almost double to where it was at. Jeez. And he, he said, let me think about it. He thought about it, took the offer. I wired the money. Within literally seconds of me wiring the money, he called me back. Didn't even know it was in his account and said, Ron, I don't want to sell her. And I said, Ricky, the money's already in your account. He said, well, if the, I'll look. If the money's in my account, we got a deal. If not, that I don't want fair. to sell her. Yeah, and that, and that was fair. And he, he's a very fair guy, Ricky Griffith. He really is. And so he looked, the money was there, and and uh, I think he was more down than anything about taking the money. And then literally he called me two days later and said, please let me have a percentage of her back. And I said, Ricky, I'd lo-, you know, normally I would because I don't have partners, but I took a partner on this filly and, uh, you know, for a percentage, and I just I can't give any more of a percentage away. And he said, okay, I understand. So that, that, that's the first story behind the story. So he didn't want to give her up. But, you know, the thing is, she was never going to run in those races had I not bought her. You know, she was never going to run in the Frisette. She was never going to run in the Breeders' Cup. She was actually entered the week that I bought her in a stakes race at Woodbine and was three to five morning line in a five-horse field. And they, well, they called me crazy for not running her, you know, because I could have picked up, a, you know, a hundred and I think the purse was 125 So I could have picked up close to $70,000 pretty easy. But just and, to let uh, the listeners know that while this horse was making it starts in Canada, it, it is a Kentucky bred, and uh, you, the the Frisette was a very telling race that obviously handicappers overlooked because you went away the co-long shot in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. As a matter of fact, I believe you even perhaps spoke uh, to Mr. Ortiz before the race, gave specific instructions that were not followed because of Rio Antonio's running style. Can you share that with us? Yeah, you're, you're, again, you're exactly right. You know, I, I had a, a horse called Global Power, who's probably my favorite, second favorite horse now, besides Rhea Antonia and, and Why Us. Um, and he was running in the Woodford Reserve at Keeneland, and I had hopes to, to send him to the Breeders' Cup Sprint. 
and Scott Spieth, I, I called, you know, he's my regular writer. He's an Ohio guy. Um, and let me just tell you, Scott Spieth is as good as anybody out there. I don't care who he's riding against, where he's riding. He can ride any of my horses at any time. And I told him, I said, Scotty, I'm going to let you make the choice. Do you want to ride Global Power or do you want to go to New York and ride Rio Antonio? And he said, Ron, I'll go wherever you want. I said, you know what? I said, if I were you, I would ride Rio Antonio. I know she's going to be 30 to 1 or 40 to 1. I know Global Power is going to be, you know, mid-level favorite, you know, 5 to 1, 10 to 1, you know. I said, but this filly is just, she's got an unbelievable stride. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to travel. I got three mounts that day. If you don't care, I'll ride Global Power. And I said, you know what? I got no problem with that. Anyway, leading into it, I wanted an experienced rider on this filly. And I read Ortiz was going to ride her, and he jumped off to ride a Darley horse. And so we got Jose, who's a good young rider, don't get me wrong. But we're standing in the paddock, and I, I had bet every race that day, of course, and I had bet two horses that were by far the best horses in the race that came up the rail and went straight backwards. So I'm standing in the paddock with Jose, and I said, Jose, I don't care what you do, don't go to the rail. I said, the rail's <laughs> deader than dead can be dead. I said, I don't care if you're in the grandstand waving to me as you're going by. Don't go to the rail. Gates open. What happened? He went right to the rail. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the general public didn't see was he at, at about 70 yards left in the race, he got her off the rail because he was going to run into tea time, the horse that was leading. And, and literally, I would say five or six strides past the wire, she was in front. By the turn, she was five in front. And nobody saw the gallop out except for me and Jeremiah. And at that point, we were, we were both, even though we were mad, we ran fifth and disappointed, you know, she didn't run a little bit better. We were like, wow, this filly wants more ground. And he looked at me and said, you were right, Ron, the, the rail was dead. I said, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> you know, and, and after the race, uh, I talked to Jose, and, and, you know, sometimes you get a little heated after a race. And I said, Jose, didn't I tell you to go not, not to go to the rail? Yes, boss, yes, boss. I said, then why would you go to the rail? He said, because it was so open. I thought I'd save ground. I said, why do you think? Jose Lescano, Alex Elise, and, ha- and, and Javier Castellano were three, four, and five off the rail. Those <laughs> guys that have won Eclipse, uh, they're Eclipse Award riding winners. They couldn't wait to get off the rail. You went straight to it. I said, I cannot believe I asked you to do that and you didn't do it. And he just said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, and there's something to be said about that. Three great riders and they're all five, you know, three, four, and five lengths off the rail. But well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I've only got a couple more minutes left. Describe to me your decision to go to the Breeders' Cup and the experience to see this horse that you took a risk on uh, finish second and then get moved up to first. First of all, the greatest feeling of my life, other than my two children being born, for sure. Um, decision to go to the Breeders' Cup was completely and utterly mine. I think that's why when we were in the winter circle and NBC or whoever was interviewing Chris Dunn, they went to him, and he's like, no, this is the guy you got to talk to. You know, and he <laughs> handed it to me. Uh, I put up all the money personally myself. I didn't ask for any money from any of the people involved in the horse. Um, the reason I did that was is because I really thought she'd run one, two, three. And off her form, I, nobody would have justified probably spending 60000 like I did to, to do it. And let me just tell you something. I'm not, I'm not a multimillionaire. I'm not Judmont Farms. I'm not Soder Street. $60,000 was probably half of my gambling bankroll. So, you know, it, it, it was a lot of money for me to take a risk on this filly, and uh, obviously it paid off. Obviously it did. Um, two questions that I need to finish up with. Uh, 
Uh, one of the guys at the radio station wanted to know, did Ron bet his filly? And the second question I want to know is, how is she doing today? Well, Ron absolutely bet his filly. He's <laughs> never going to be the kind of guy that gives out a team or a horse and not put his own money up on it. Anybody can give out a horse, but it takes a, it takes a good guy to, to back it up and lay down your own money, you know. And I, I, let me just say this much. Had I not had a brutal day on Friday, I probably would have made, I would say, close to 750000 or a million dollars on the race. But I had an absolute brutal day that Friday. I got there, bet what I was going to, what I could afford to lose on her when I first walked in, and never bet anymore. You know, it was one of those things where if I just would have broke even on Friday, it could have been, a, I don't even know what, what, a, what a 9-0 score or however you want to say it, but... You know, you're you're living the life well. of all I mean, of our I, listeners, I, and again, I, I have to wrap it up for time's sake, but can, can you just tell us, um, is she turned out, is she back in training, and uh, briefly, her direction are you thinking out. about taking this year? Turned out until uh, December 20th, where she's going to head to the fairgrounds. Um, she's going to point towards the Risen Star and the Louisiana Derby, and then Kentucky Derby May 1st for Saturday May. So you're choosing to go against the boys? Absolutely. I'm a big Ragus and sheet guy and thoroughgraph sheet guy, and uh, she's run the fastest number going two turns of Phillies or boys. And I think the dirt, you know, everybody says, why do you want to run Philly against the boys? And, you know, John, I, I watched you on, on your show and the handicapping show, River Downs. A lot of times it's pace or style. And her style with the pace that they run in the Derby benefits her more than it does in, in the Oaks. They're going to run 22, 45, 109. They do it every single year in the Derby. And, uh, you know, with her ability to come from behind and, and uh, you know, the longer the better for her. So why, why not give her the best chance to win? Whether it's, She don't know she's a girl. She just thinks she's the best horse in the country. <laughs> well, Ron Pellucci, all I can do is I, I thank you very much. I, I'm sure my listeners feel like me. You're a working man's hero, and that's something to be. And we'll be rooting for Rhea Antonio during her three-year-old season. Thanks so much for being with us on Winning Pony. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that was Ron Paolucci. Up next, Bobby Newman from down at Calder, where all the graded stakes races are going to be run this week. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and back with me right now... Is a gentleman that I used to kind of share the airwaves with uh, back in Ohio uh, when they had the seven and seven program. Uh, Bobby Newman was the uh, the race caller um, at, at Thistledown, but uh, he decided that uh, you know the weather was a little bit better uh, south of the border, and uh, so uh, he, he moved down there. Uh, he started out on the West Coast. He was born and raised in in, in L.A. Started going to Hollywood Park, so he's probably got some heartstrings that are being pulled right there. He's one of the many guests we've had on that have gone to the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program, just an outstanding program. If you or one of your children are thinking about getting into the game of racing, I would highly recommend it. I'm very impressed with the instructors out there and, and the many, many graduates that have come out of there and uh bobby's been a calder since uh 99 uh he's done the the, the host uh, handicapper on air um and basically pretty much works there year round now because uh, uh friday through sunday they're racing down there and uh so welcome to winning ponies bobby newman how you doing my friend well 79 degrees today in south florida we played golf how is it where you are uh we're expecting four to six inches of snow tomorrow well, that's that's that was the main reason to move down. <laughs> well, actually, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, so four to six is nothing for me. But down here, you would think the world was ending. Well, we're looking forward. We got uh, great races coming up this weekend, and uh, like you said, we're running year round now at Calder Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and uh, in what's uh, uh, certainly a different world in South Florida racing wise than what we've seen uh, any time in the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. I mean, uh, you know, so many people say there's just too much racing going on, and uh, now even though they're saying it's their the opening, the 75th anniversary opening of, of Gulfstream, um, just briefly, if you can tell me how, how tough is it, you guys being as close as you are, and everybody trying to, to race and, and bring a good product to your fans. I think the bringing the good product to the fan is very, very difficult, uh, especially. Uh, in the summer months, obviously during the the winter, Gulfstream is not going to have a big problem with that because they have all the horses from the north that still come down. But in the summer, uh, we're down basically what seems like an island down here. Uh, nobody's shipping down uh, when it's hot and humid, and it seems like it rains uh, just about every afternoon, and they come off the turf all the time, and you have two racetracks eight miles apart that are... Uh, well, just not getting along all that well as far as uh, negotiating with uh, who's going to run when, and they're both fighting for the same horses, and it's tough. 
It, it really is. That stuff on the horsemen, the, the, uh, the horses, and, and the horse players. Well, listen, I want to go back uh, a little bit. In, uh, in two or three weeks, I'm ha- having Jay Hobday on the show um, to kind of take a walk down a memory lane. Uh, but the fact that, that Hollywood Park is not going to exist anymore, I know that that's the first track you attended, but I'm not sure if you were a five-year-old or a 15-year-old. Uh, did you have reminiscences of Hollywood Park that uh, you could share? Uh, I can tell you that uh, I was between five and 15. I went The first time I ever went to Hollywood Park, uh, I, was in, I was about 13. I went with a degenerate friend of mine, and I say that in the most endearing way, that only a, a gambler can say it. Uh, but basically the kind of friend that your parents didn't want you hanging out with. And we took two buses to get from where we lived to get to Hollywood Park, would ask people who were old enough to bet to place bets for us. And, of course, I won $20. We went back two weeks later. I won 75 I said, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, lo- I, I want to do this forever. Realized the more I started learning about actually how to handicap uh, – the less I knew and uh, the harder it was. Uh, and I figured the only way to stay in the game uh, and actually make money was to get a job in the sport uh, because uh, as far as handicapping every race day in and day out, there are some people who can make money at it, but it is very, very tough. Well, yeah, that's why I feel that those of us that work at a track are, are blessed because of the old saying that you can, you can beat a race, but you can't beat the races. So if you are at the races, you can pick your spots. You know, if you're just going, let's say you're taking a leisurely day to Keeneland, sure, you're going to bet the whole card. But if you really want to make money at it, you get good at what you're, you're best at, whether that be turf races, uh, uh, maidens, or, uh, you know, route races, you name it. Um, but now you have the luxury of, of kind of picking your spots. Now, before I, we move forward to maybe looking at some of these really good races that you have this weekend, um, one of the hardest jobs in racing, and I know because I've been stuck doing that time every now and then, is calling races. How did you get into that part of the game? Well, I, I just always kind of liked listening to the announcers when I was out in California, uh, whether it was Trevor Denman or uh, – several of the guys who called it Hollywood Park, uh, and I would take a Sony Walkman down to the end of the grandstand, whether it was Hollywood, Santa Anita, Pomona, Del Mar, and uh, have my small program in one hand and a uh, tape recorder and the binoculars and, and practice calling the races, and you could hear the guys in the background over me, but I, I just kind of liked it. It seemed like a, a fun way to get to go to the races and actually get paid to do it. And uh, it turned out that uh, I had a little bit of a knack for it. At least uh, I wasn't absolutely terrible. And uh, just practiced and practiced and uh, kind of got a little bit of a break when I was in college uh, on the Arizona Fair Circuit, and it kind of progressed from there. Well, you know, actually your resume looks a little bit like uh, Luke Kreibosch's. Uh, it looks like Luke, you know, who was out there in Arizona, kind of started the same way at some of those uh, smaller tracks uh, uh, out out on the west part, and uh, all I can say is uh, you, you, you got you got great cadence, you got a good voice, and a lot of times you can see a horse making the winning move before it really does. Well, actually, it's funny you mentioned Luke. Uh, in addition to being obviously a, a tremendous race caller, he was a, a really really nice guy, and he he really gave me gave me one of my best breaks. I was calling races at the Downs at Albuquerque and the Downs at Santa Fe, and I got a call from him one day saying that John Dooley was leaving Thistledown uh, and the job was opening up. And I said, where the heck is Thistledown? 
<laughs> you know, being a West Coaster, I, I don't know what Thistledown is. I knew they ran the Ohio Derby, but uh, uh, I didn't really know much about it. And I looked on a map and tried to figure out how I was going to get from New Mexico to Cleveland. I ended up calling the GM there, and uh, they said they had a whole bunch of tapes. If I, want, if I was interested, I needed to FedEx something immediately. I sent them a, a resume and a tape, called the next day just to make sure they got it. And they said, uh, not only we got it, but you're at the top of our list. Can you be here in two weeks? What? And uh, that, that was that. So it was because of Luke telling me that that job was opening up that uh, I ended up at Thistledown and now down at Calder. You know, and surprisingly, you know, to uh, give salutes to Luke, you're not the first person that's told me this story. There, there are other announcers out there that did the same thing. Luke was, would kind of, you know, even, even though it can be a competitive business, uh, Luke looked out for a lot of guys and, and kind of gave them the lead saying, hey, you might want to keep an eye on this. And as you know, it's a very small fraternity as far as race callers. And, um, uh, there's limited opportunities, and, and it's just really great when, when you got somebody that the, the, the class and quality that, that, that Luke is, um, you know, looking out for you. Because uh, he, he was a personal friend of mine. Um, he would come and visit uh, in, in Cincinnati when uh, the, usually the, the week after the Derby. That was his big break was to come and blow off some steam at River Downs. And whenever I was out at Arizona at the symposium, we would share a room. And uh, I'll tell you what, that guy could snore the blinds off a window. But nonetheless, it was always after a pretty good time. As you, as you know, Luke, he liked to have them. Well, Bobby, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies. And when we come back, I'm going to rely on you to, to help me pick out some winners down there at Calder Racecourse. We're talking to Bobby Newman. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. 
Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Bobby Newman from Calder. And Calder definitely has the corner on graded stakes this weekend. Uh, we're going to handicap three of them. Uh, if you're at a handicapping center or down at Calder, we're going to start with the sixth race. It's the 37th running of the Tropical Turf Handicap. This is a grade three and it goes a mile and an eighth. Kind of an interesting uh, makeup of the course. Uh, they they start this race in the infield and come out pretty much on the turf course where the finish line would be. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby. Uh, I don't know if does that, that does that enter in your handicapping when when you're doing this turf race. No, the, it, it's a turf shoot. It's it's a little bit similar to uh, what places like either. Uh, Del Mar or Tampa Bay Downs have, but it's not a very severe turn. And going a mile and an eighth, there's such a long run before they even get to the uh, main turf course. I don't really think that the inside or outside is an advantage or a disadvantage. Uh, It's really very fair. Well, all I can say is uh, hats off to your racing department, because as I look at, at these three races, uh, they've really put together some competitive fields. And in this day and age, when you get graded stakes races that average about six horses, uh, he, he, you guys did a fantastic job. Uh, the smallest field of the three that we're going to handicap are, are only ten. And obviously, uh, you were able to bring in some some big names right here in the, uh, the turf handicap. Uh, I'm immediately attracted to the inside horse. Tetradrachum, or you pronounce that as you want, but either way, anytime you get Hall of Famer Bill Mott and the hot riding Louis Sayas to come to your uh, uh, track out of back-to-back graded stakes races, uh, somebody's done a good job of recruiting. Right, and I'm actually going to go with Tetradram, uh, which, by the way, is a, it's a Greek silver coin, which being that this gelding is by badge of silver, that makes a little bit of sense. But Tetradram, I think you're right. I think he may be the one to beat in here. His only uh, poor race, really, in his last four or five was when he caught a yielding turf in the grade two Bernard Baruch up at Saratoga. Um, and he still finished third that day, and he ran behind Silver Max that afternoon. He was only beaten about a length and a half by Za Approval last time out in the grade three Knickerbocker up at Belmont. And Za Approval came back and I think ran a, a bang up second to Wise Dan in the Breeders' Cup mile after that. Certainly doesn't have to face uh, the likes of either of those, uh, Approval or Silver Max. There is not a whole lot of speed in this race. There, we may have a lone speed horse in number five, Heiko, for Marty Wilson and Hilver Chamafi. Uh, but I think Tetradram has enough tactical speed that he's going to be laying somewhere second or third. And uh, he's three to one on the morning line. I don't think he's going to be much below that. But uh, if the turf course is firm, and I think it will be this weekend, We've had good weather this week. It's supposed to be sunny the next few days. I think he's certainly one of the ones in here. Number two, speaking of which, uh, he's another one who, when he doesn't run in grade one, grade one races, he runs very, very well, and I think he has a look at a price. Number four, Bad Dead is two for two here at Calder. Yeah, um, I love that way. horse, uh, you know, because you, you look at his resume, and you don't – in. The PPs that I have, you're seeing, you're seeing Gulfstream, Belmont, Delaware, Monmouth, Pimlico, Tampa. Uh, but on his visits to Calder, he's two for two. He's two for two. Both wins were uh, during the Florida Million in the Bonnie Heath Turf Cup where he was facing uh, all Florida bred. So uh, it's going to be a little bit of a tougher spot here because obviously it's wide open. It's not just the, uh, it's not just the Florida Stallions, the Florida breds here. 
but Bad Dad obviously likes the course very, very much, and he's 4-1 to one and is certainly about as good as anyone in the race. It's a wide-open affair, as you said, but I think the one you mentioned first, Tetradram, the race goes through him. Yes, and thank you for correcting my pronunciation of that horse because I was struggling with it from the time I looked at the. Well, I, I, hope, I, I hope I'm right, and then and, 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 and you're not. Well, you, and, you uh, announcers do your homework. I, I've spent many a day uh, in, in the press box with announcers throughout my 30-year uh, career at the races, and I know the guys will either call the owner, call the trainer, and say, "Hey, how do you want me to call this horse's name?" Because uh, I don't speak Arabic. <laughs> but uh, let's let's move on now to the the Fred Hooper handicap. They've been running this for thirty years. It's a Grade Three mile and eight uh, on on the main track, and it looks like uh, they've settled in uh, on a horse that's had some headlines over the years uh, in Kazba. I'm going to call it. You can correct me again on this one. Uh, but this horse has you know garnered four hundred and uh, 82 grand during its career is 110 to 24. That's, that's pretty consistent, but it seemed to, uh, tail off just a little bit. Came back though in a race I want to ask you about. I don't know if it was a prep for this race or not. Uh, uh it looked like the race was going to go on the grass, uh, that, that allowance race, its last effort that it just was dominant in. Right. Even, I, I spoke to Phil Gleaves actually, and even though it looks like Chaba is better on the dirt than the turf, he still thinks that Chaba is going to have uh, several good races in him on the grass course. Now, it's not going to be this weekend uh, in a graded stake for $100,000. They're going to know what, they're going to go with what they know they have, and that's obviously a horse who likes it very, very much on the main track at Calder. You mentioned he's 10 for 24 lifetime. Eight of those 10 wins were on the main track at Calder. In fact, eight wins from 11 career tries at Calder. And the good thing about Chaba, in addition to the fact he's very, very talented, he has speed, but he doesn't have to have the lead, and that's good because there is other speed in this race. Number seven, Senor Quisqueano, looks like he has to be on or near the lead. Maybe number nine, I'm stepping it up. There are a few other ones in here who should be vying for the lead. The pace should be honest, and as long as Chaba doesn't get caught up in some sort of a ridiculous pace duel, which I think Luis Saez will be able to avoid, he's going to be very, very tough. There's an interesting long shot in here, though, Drawn toward the inside, number two on the loose again for trainer George Navarro and jockey Abdiel Hayen. This horse has never run at Calder, but he's worked twice at Calder, and the times for those works were very, very fast. I don't know how he did them. I wasn't there in the mornings when he was working, but those are very fast works for Calder. And this is a horse who's been first or second each of his last five tries. He comes from off the pace, and if there is a faster-than-expected pace, or if a two or three of these go out and really battle each other, I could see number two on the loose again at 12-1 to 1 being a major player in the stretch. And that's why we called on Bobby Newman from Calder, because it, it's easy for me to spot the 7-5 to five shot, but uh, he gave us a little bit of insight on how horse it could be a long shot, and should he not win, hopefully you still got him in some of your exotics that they're playing down there. They got ten cent minimum uh, supers on on the Fred Hooper uh, exactus trifectas, and it is still part of a pick three and a daily double. So maybe we can round it out with Bobby Newman's selection in the My Charmer handicap again. Congratulations! A race that is overfilled. Uh, the racing office did, did a great job of bringing together the field. This one will be a mile and an eighth on the turf. Uh, so again, it'll be coming out of the infield. But as he says, there's no not not a real bias that that you've got to worry about 
for for the most part in here. And uh, in, in looking at this field, uh, you've got uh, some horses have got some pretty darn good resumes. I can tell you that. I'm having a hard time separating. And it looks like your handicapper was too. Yeah, and I know you're, I know we're running a little short on time here, John. So. I'm going to give you a little bit of a long shot I like in number three, Awesome Flower from Mike Maker and Jackie Jesus Castanon. This is a, a filly who has been running mainly on either dirt or synth- synthetic surfaces. The, in fact, her only turf race in her last ten starts was at Churchill Downs on a yielding turf earlier this summer, and she absolutely crushed a field. And I think a repeat of that race is good enough to make her one of the ones in here. She's ten to one on the morning line. I think she's going to get the right trip. Number two, Parandas won two in a row against slightly easier competition uh, over at Gulfstream Park in her last two, but I think uh, she has a shot in here. Number seven, Angelica Zapata's on a three-race win streak, and she's never been out of the money in three career tries on the Calder turf. She certainly looks like one of the ones. And number 12, Naples Bay, who may end up being favored in here. She was second in this My Charmer handicap last year here at Calder. She obviously likes the course. Hasn't run in a few months, but uh, trainer Christophe Clement obviously very, very good at getting uh, horses to run off the layoff. Well, Bobby, I can tell you're an announcer because you kept your eye on the clock, and I appreciate that very much. Appreciate your your picks, and uh, certainly the the My Charmer is going to be a tough one for all of our fans of Winning Ponies uh, to, uh, to to handicap. But there's going to be some value there. So, Bobby Newman from Calder Racecourse, thanks so much for spending time with us on Winning Ponies. Anytime, John. All right. Well, that that was uh, Bobby, and I also want to thank Ron Paolucci. Let's see what happens to Rhea Antonio as she tries to take on the boys on her quest for the run for the roses. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Well, I walk into the room, passing out hundred-dollar bills, and it kills and it thrills like the horns on my Silverado grill. And I buy the bar, double round a crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Ain't never gonna be the same. Cause I saddle up my horse, and I ride into the city. I make a lot of noise, cause the girls, they are so pretty. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.